Greetings to all our listeners. A very warm welcome to the 17th episode of B-Pod, brought to you by the business cluster of IIM Vishakhapat. In today's episode, we have with us Mr. Manish Shah, who is the academic head at IMS Learning Resources Private Limited. Established in 1977, IMS is one of India's pioneering institutions in management education field. He is a great orator and mentor, and due to his approachable nature, he is popular among his students. Highly skilled in aptitude and reasoning, he is one of the finest teacher one can have to tackle competitive examinations. Earlier in his career, after completing his MBA in finance from Nirma University, he worked as assistant manager at Adani Ports and SEZ Limited. Post which he went on to hold the position of regional manager at Endeavour Careers. We are extremely delighted to have you with us, sir. I hope you are doing well. Thanks, Jay. Uh, we are doing well. I hope you all are doing well as well. Yes, sir. Sir, before starting with the questions, I would like to ask you that you have been a mentor to many students in their crucial stage of life while they were making up decisions of getting into a B school. So, how do you feel when such students reach out to you after getting into their dream B school? Oh, that's the reward. That's the reward. I would say, in our industry, uh, that is CAD preparation industry, we see it as the biggest reward because ultimately, the day student gets enrolled, we feel that sense of responsibility that uh, it's not uh, something that is going to happen for sure. Uh, it's not already certain that we are going to meet the complete expectation in terms of the goal the student has planned. So it's it's I won't say burden, but we we also feel that sense of responsibilities at the moment we get the final result. It's our result as well. So I think that's the, that's the easiest part, and that is something that I can't even express properly on this forum because that is best experience. So that that some of the luxuries that we only have. Lovely, sir. Okay, so starting with the questions, sir, you earn your MBA. Joined corporate for a year and then shifted to CAD preparation industry. What hmm. compelled you to do it? Well, uh, I think it was 2011, and I well, well, I was working with Adani Port. The work was fine. I was doing uh, good. My work was appreciated, but I can't say I was enjoying uh, it completely. I felt I can do something uh, even more, something more passionately. So I look forward to my own interest. So. It is something as simple as I was good with maths. And I had, uh, I was like you guys, I recently concluded my CAT preparation. So that was something that was in my mind as well. Uh, so I thought of exploring this industry. I felt that this is something that I can really excel at. And that is something that I really believed it. You should be doing whatever you do, but in an amazing manner. Then all the parts, be it uh, the growth in terms of the designation, growth in terms of uh, the monetary benefits, everything will be taken care of. I can't say it was a very well thought decision, but then things worked out perfectly. And uh, the way I see, uh, probably after a year or two, I started understanding that this is something that is uh, that is that puts me in a very uh, lucky situation that I'm able to impart value to the society. Not in uh, all the industries you add directly add values to the society. So I stuck here, and uh, this is something that uh, wonderfully happened with me. So, sir, continuing on the same line. When I was studying for the CAT, I noticed that several of our classmates had a high percentage, but were unable to convert the interview. So mm. what do you think the key reasons are and what advices do you have for MBA aspirants? Okay, fine. So uh, this is little irony that people, when they join uh, a CAT coaching institute, they feel that they are preparing for CAT only. 
the way we see we see it as an admission preparation process uh, so for any b school like yours only uh, the admission process is actually two phase you take cat score and then you go for the uh, interview round because interview is the only selection process in this world be it uh, b school entrance be it uh, job be it even arranged marriage the interview is is actually the most reliable uh, selection process everything else probably adds some value to it in b school's case i would say no b school can simply take interview of 2 lakh plus applicants that cat sees every year so uh, it was viable for them to keep a filtering process like aptitude test that is a fair practice uh, so that a decent number of students reach the interview stage and uh, this is the importance of cat without cat you can't get opportunities to top b schools of the country that is the importance but with cat good score you can't ensure that you'll get admission for sure because that should not happen so every aspirant should see admission process uh, as uh, that includes two parts first is cat preparation where you work on your aptitude and second is pi preparation so what i my suggestion is first of all accept this fact pi is going to be a reality of your life if you are really good at aptitude but bad at uh, person interview you might lose out on the biggest opportunities so the from the day you start preparing on pont verbal lrdi you should also keep an eye on your uh, communication your confidence your uh, career clarity uh, your profile can you improve your profile etc so better to be well informed than be surprised at the end that is my advice okay that is something coming to me uh, as nostalgia as well <laughs> i understand Okay. sir so like i want to ask you what steps did the education industry took during the covid era to address its deficiencies in operating in a conventional manner okay so this is memory lane i would say march 2020 when everything was stopped so uh, and we were an offline trainer so as a teacher we always believed in looking into students eyes and understand whether the student is learning or not and suddenly that right was not with us anymore and uh, if i talk about my own industry we are result driven oriented uh, industry we don't have an option of mass promotion for example in schools you have option of mass promotion but we had to deliver we knew that uh, covid or not cat was supposed to happen so uh, we had to ensure that the quality doesn't get diluted and so the simple one word answer is we adapted we had to adapt and uh, we wouldn't have believed that online learning is possible but we we started believing it we started excelling it, at it thankfully the infrastructure was ready uh, be it uh, seamless cheap internet be it uh, availability of uh, uh, affordable smartphones and be it uh, the connecting platforms like zoom microsoft etc which made things possible at at a days notice yes we had to adapt we had to understand that this is something that is different but uh, uh, this is the only way with us it started with uh, the only way and then now we are enjoying the benefits of it i would say when the online is not the only option anymore uh, we had to uh, train our students as well to get the best out of uh, the entire learning process uh, i have heard that school teachers have done it in a different manner by uh, making uh, videos compulsorily on so students are supposed to a sit in uniform so that they uh, they feel like that part of the day belongs to school uh, probably that was not that strict with the coaching institute we relied more on students professionalism and sincere attitude that they would be listening to us 
we had to push students to be little more uh, responsive during the session so that they can raise hands they can raise their queries we had to devise some methods to in the post class uh, phase to ensure that students are in, in touch and and all the problems reach us in a seamless manner so yes many things happen i don't know how can i summarize it okay so sir uh, continuing on the same like while the education business moves towards an online platform as you have said what abilities do teachers need to learn in order to teach in an online environment okay so how to teach online effectively i'll i'll put it very simply uh, a typical online session uh, in my industry when i say my industry i i would also like to speak on the behalf of uh, entire test prep that would be uh, be it uh, upsc preparation or be it uh, je preparation a typical online lecture consumes more than one and half times the energy that an offline lecture consumes if you don't do that uh, probably the engagement quotient would reduce and uh, that that directly affects what percentage of the content will be absorbed by the audience right so my suggestion to anybody who wish to do uh, the online teaching job properly is to be really very energetic during those uh, one hour two hour long session and energy is something that will be received by the students uh, some of the teachers have to teach for good 2 hours 1 and 1/2 hour which is not that easy for the audience so good energy probably increases the probability of uh, uh, knowledge being received by the student second they need to learn uh, that uh, every word every statement uh, anything that you are going to uh, say should be pre planned not every word literally but then there shouldn't be a small patch of 10 minutes where you are simply just reiterating the same words you have to be moving at a decent pace like you will be bored in a movie which got stuck for 10 minutes and got nothing new similarly uh, is the case with an online lecture as well in an offline lecture students can't run away from the room but in online lecture students can run away from the room this is not related to schools but this is probably related to the coaching institutes it is still possible so you need to be really engaging you need to be really creative with what you do during the session you need to be expressive you need to be uh, uh, you need to have right sense of humor as well so that you also enjoy what you are doing uh, that that's a common advice to any teacher from my side be it offline or online but in online uh, humor is the uh, one of the things that keeps students engaged a right proportion uh, you need to be well versed with the tools that you are using for example we had to understand that our ppt should be uh, efficiently designed Uh, so that uh, when i hit enter i know what content content is going to pop up otherwise uh, it would be two narrators narrating different things uh, at the same time uh, so you should be well aware of what is there in your ppt it should be either made by you or either well understood by you okay and sir do you believe that e learning can replace classroom learning based on the trends in online education over the last two years and in the future will offline coaching be phased out of the market oh no no never in fact uh, we have the evidence um, so i believe in may or june government allowed all the coaching institutes to operate with the right restrictions and we allowed all the ims students to choose either online or offline mode as per their wish and we just wanted to adjust with them what we have been doing since last couple of years surprisingly 70% of the students roughly 75% of the students uh, chose offline learning over online learning now that's that's something that uh, I'm, I'm, this is a data of gujarat state right uh, and the most students who are enrolling with us most of them are also coming in offline mode as well so i would say online is going to stay forever 
it is by far not going to replace offline because especially in the competitive exam preparation world it is not just the education or it is not just the knowledge students are looking for it is the entire ecosystem when i say ecosystem it is is definitely it starts with a typical lecture material uh, an ambience of uh, competitive environment regular mentorship and that is something that becomes easy when you see students around you raising their hand asking uh, right questions you see the right competition so offline is going to stay forever uh, online is also going to uh, stay so these are like two products that we have at present uh, so if i'm teaching cat there will be certain batches of uh, online cat there will be certain batches of offline cat but yes i must uh, acknowledge the fact that online teaching has made our reach immense now it was not viable uh, to open a center in distant parts of the country it was not viable feasibly uh, uh, financially viable i would say because uh, you need certain number of students just to make the entire setup work uh, as far as uh, uh, economics is concerned but now we don't need to open a center there students can learn through the same set of faculty members with the same quality education at their home so student might be sitting in a small village with a phone in his hand and he is probably learning from the best faculty of cat preparation uh, at his place so online is a wonderful boon that has happened but uh, thankfully it is by far not going to replace uh, offline learning definitely sir and talking about the online coaching uh, what are your thoughts on major edtech behemoth like byju's business strategy of actively acquiring other coaching institutes do you believe that such methods would stifle the growth of new businesses okay so basically big at tech companies acquiring small companies okay yes. the way i see is uh, there was no at tech 10 years back i would say uh, there were coaching institutes and uh, i may not be completely right it, it, it is probably my personal opinion but uh, educators or academicians probably were not seen with this much respect uh, 10 years back or probably somebody uh, being a teacher in any of the field was not probably seen with the same uh, reputation or respect 10 years back but now i see that some companies beat byju's or an academy they are big companies funds uh, are uh, they have a lot of funds uh, and investors are uh, in uh, have invested money in them and they are growing like anything they are the lead sponsors of major events and that actually first of all is a proof that now the india as a country has started understanding that this is a sector that is the next big thing now when i say the adtech edutech has become next big thing it has started becoming it uh, as well it comes with many many benefits when it comes with many many benefits for example higher quality of education good people are encouraged to join education industry to provide even better content better the talent better the service so as society as a whole gets benefited it comes with some minor problems as well for example when e-commerce was booming we saw so much consolidation for example uh, flipkart acquired mintra and many other examples i think that's a very common practice uh, for any sector which is at this stage when a acquires b c acquires d and when we say uh, a company acquires another company it doesn't necessarily uh, mean a wrong thing the way i see in most of the deals both the companies get benefited they have synergy benefits they have uh let's say uh, they don't need to compete with one another uh, unnecessarily so consolidation doesn't necessarily result into something negative uh, so entire development that has happened in last few years including rise of some big companies or uh, uh 
A inquiring B or consolidation in the market. I think this is uh, these are the byproducts of the entire edutech sector rising. So this is perfectly fine. It is not going to uh, uh, trifle the growth of uh, any any company. Rather, it would rather attract more talent towards this industry. Sir, it may be uh, your personal opinion, but you ideated it very well. We uh, are talking about of more of a national agenda. The national education policy 2020 NEP has opened up new doors for Indian students. But is the economy ready to provide such specialized career opportunity, especially in this post-cold COVID era? Well, national education policy is a really a huge task. It's a huge task, and uh, with my limited understanding, I would like to say it's a need of the time. Having said that, uh, it's a task of mammoth size. It needs change at multiple level, and most of the changes are at infrastructure level, be it uh, physical infrastructure like schools or uh, preschools or uh, the entire restructuring of the uh, uh, textbooks, educating uh, the existing pool of faculty members, adding more faculty members, etc. So challenges are going to be of different scale altogether. But I think that's the need of the time. There are many challenges. Something that I can foresee whether this will happen or not. But before I quote any of them, I would like to say that uh, no matter what challenges are lying ahead, no matter how many failures we might see in the implementation of the same, the the overall benefit are far greater than this. I I believe that no significant change comes uh, uh, without resistance. Resistance is going to be there at every stage. Some primary challenges that I uh, understand in the national economical uh, uh, education policy and its implementation are as simple as when you say that uh, at present 26% of uh, uh, the graduate or the the audience which is supposed to get education that is students till 18 years only 26% of them are getting education so government has taken a very ambitious target of making it double that is roughly 52% in next 15 years that is making the existing capacity double and not just double mathematically putting the population itself would also increase so you are looking at a growth of more than 100 percentage in next 15 years that is the first need and this this growth the in, uh, capacity enhancement should happen at every level starting from uh, uh, i would say anganwadi to pre uh, to primary school to secondary school uh, that needs a lot of funding that needs huge number of lakhs and lakhs of uh, teachers to be trained, uh, lakhs and lakhs of support staff to be there to maintain those Anganwadi and schools. Uh, this will need a lot of effort. One more issue that I see, which can be a possible solution to this problem as well, is funding. Uh, from when, from where will the money come? One simple statement that I could read in the proposal uh, was that the government will start diverting not 4.5% of the budget, but 6% of the budget to education. That was the need, definitely. Uh, but that's a proposal. And I sincerely wish that that happens. But government itself has many challenges. COVID itself is first challenge. And uh, anything related to COVID gets the first priority. And there is nothing wrong in it. So um, if government has to divert good amount of funds toward recovery of COVID-affected uh, uh, sectors, or government has a huge put huge emphasis towards healthcare as well, or because of any other reasons, uh, if we cannot divert 6% of the budget towards this project for a good number of years, probably this will not be effective, uh, as effective as it has been proposed. 
I really feel there is a strong need of public-private partnership here so that funds keep coming uh, uh, easily. Uh, with public-private partnership, probably uh, greater expertise, uh, greater ownership can be transferred towards such project. So uh, this is something that is going to be very, very complicated, but it's the need of the time. And I've seen, I've read some examples of many small countries, not as big as India, many small countries changing the entire economy fundamentally by just tweaking their education system. This is more than a tweak, definitely. And uh, all the best to in entire uh, education system, uh, which is going to uh, see a big change uh, thanks to new education policy. Thank you for your words of wisdom. I am sure our listeners will learn a great deal from this interaction as have I. On this note, I would like to conclude the 17th episode of our podcast series. Once again, on behalf of I am Vishaka Patnam, I would like to thank Mr. Manish Shah for taking out his valuable time and addressing our enthusiastic student cohort. To all our listeners, have a great time and take care. Till then, we for team signing off. We'll see you soon in the next episode. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye.